welcome everyone. I guess there's nobody in the house tonight. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was a, a quiet welcome. How's everyone doing? Awesome. That's a great response. Let's do that again. How's everybody doing? It can only get better from there, right? <laughs> it's so good to see everyone. Welcome King of Kings family and some friends that are visiting us. And uh, welcome to our online community that's joining us from around the world. And even some of our members here in Jerusalem and Israel joining us online. And we want to welcome them as well. Uh, it's great to be together, isn't it, in the house of the Lord and to worship our God with one voice. Thank you, Pastor Ray. That, there, there's just nothing like that, to be able to worship the Lord as one. Well, we also have in the house tonight a few, a couple of special friends. I'm looking for them, and I don't see them, but they are, for the very first time in Israel, all the way from Brazil, are uh, the parents of our sound technician, Tyro. And we want to welcome them especially. Where are you guys at? I know you're here. They're in the back. They're there. <clears throat> Flew all the way in to be with the family and to celebrate the daughter, the granddaughter's bat mitzvah this weekend. So we're welcoming them and so honored to be able to have you guys here in the house with us. And uh, hopefully all of our English will translate to you somehow into Portuguese, miraculously, that you'll be able to understand everything that's going on. Uh, well, here we are. We're in summer. Can you believe it? We finally kind of crossed over this last week into the summer months. Officially, it's summer now. And here in uh, Israel, everything's taking on a whole different flavor. I was able to make it all the way into the building today in about 10 minutes. Somebody said to me, you made it in 10 minutes? How did you do that? Well, there was no cars on the road. Everybody's at home or at work because school is closing. <laughs> All the schools are coming to the end of the season. And this is such a great time of year as uh, we step out of our school schedules, step into our summer schedules. Families are starting to travel. They're not here clogging up the road with the traffic. And... Uh, we, we have lots of families that are out traveling. It's a great time of the year. Graduations are taking place. We had a, our first graduation, our first oldest son graduated last week, and we're really proud of him. It's an exciting time. So we're shifting gears now into summer mode, and we're looking forward to that and uh, lots of good stuff going on. Just as a reminder, our senior leader, Pastor Chad, is also traveling. He's actually not on vacation, though, poor guy. He's traveling. He's working in the United States. He's traveling, connecting with all of our <clears throat> ministry partners and friends and making some new friends. And I think his schedule is crazy busy. I think he's going to actually hit every state in the United States. Uh, it, probably not, but it feels like it. He's doing so much traveling. I just bragged for him, and uh, he'd probably be like, yeah, I'm getting every state. So this is, this is uh, where he's at right now. We're continuing to pray for him and looking forward to next week. He'll be with us next week virtually. He's going to join us online and uh, do the, uh, the message via video. So we're excited to have him back in the house. And uh, this will be right before he steps into a sabbatical, and we're looking forward to him being with us, getting to hear from him one more time. Now, we want you to put on your calendars, if you have a calendar on your phone, or maybe you're still doing the old school handwritten one, we want to put on your calendars a date next month. 
July 13th, Wednesday, July 13th, we're going to gather together for a community worship night together. We're going to join each other up in the summit on the 21st floor at 6.30 on the 13th, and we're just going to have a a great time of worship, prayer, praise, worshiping the Lord as a community with one voice together. And then we're going to end that time together with a, a wonderful time of fellowship, around God's chosen food, ice cream, and uh, some great toppings that will go with that, and summertime food, right? Summertime food is ice cream or watermelon. So we're gonna have the ice cream for sure, and we'll have a great time. So put that on your calendars. We wanna invite you, and we know that you don't want to miss that. Now I have a, a fun question for you, and I, I no, don't raise your hands, don't yell out your answers, but this is the question. if you were offered to receive anything that you asked for. And you could ask for anything. There's no limits on finances or on resources, on time. You could just ask for whatever you wanted to ask for. What would you ask for? If there was no resources, no limits. Think about that for just a second. I asked my daughter who said she would ask for lots of money. So I looked at her and she said, no, no, because if you have lots of money, you can help lots of people. Okay, that's a good thing. She also asked for a horse. (laughs) That's not going to (laughs) happen. But what would you ask for? Would you ask for money, popularity, a, a, a new house or a bigger house, a mansion, maybe uh, a new car? several new cars, uh, an unending wardrobe. I think if it was me, I'm pretty sure I would ask for a parking spot in Jerusalem anytime I needed one, (laughs) wherever I was at. Come on. Now that would be an amazing gift, wouldn't it? To be able to have that. Maybe you're thinking a little less uh, practical, a little little less materialistic, a little bit more practical, thinking maybe I'd ask for worldwide hunger to go away, or world peace, or Middle East peace, or, I mean, the, the, the options are actually kind of endless in front of us, and it's kind of fun to think, what would I ask for? And I think probably if we could do it, we would be surprised at our answers. What would we ask for? So think about that, hold on to it, put it on the back burner, we're going to come back to it in just a few minutes and uh, look at that. Uh, We started a new series just a couple of weeks ago that we're calling Living Wisdom, this idea that we're, we're looking at this thing called wisdom that God offers to us as his people. And he wants us to know how to live life as human beings on this earth, so he's offering to us this thing called wisdom so that we can have a human earthly experience that's full of success. Eugene Peterson says that wisdom is the biblical term for this on the earth as it is in heaven, everyday living that you and I do on the earth. And as we're dealing as uh, sojourners, temporary citizens on the earth and figuring out how to do that well. So our goal over the next few weeks is to uh, not necessarily learn what wisdom is, though we'll cross that path and we're going to learn a lot about wisdom, but really we want to try to figure out how do we live wisdom? What is it that we can apply to our lives? That's our overall goal. And how do we grab the wisdom that God has for us for the complex parts of our lives, our relationships, our families, 
and all those other parts of our lives. So th this is the thing. This is where most of us stumble and fall and have hard time is in relationship, especially those family relationships. And that's why Pastor Daniel last week looked at that, that crucial relationship between uh, children and parents. Children, obey your parents, honor your parents. This is the first commandment with uh, a promise. And, and I loved what he said, that idea of giving our parents weight, not this kind of weight, giving them weight, giving them, uh, 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 honoring their role, honoring the position that they're in as parents, respecting them, giving them weight. Uh, but there's lots of other relationships that Proverbs talks about. In fact, a lot of the Proverbs talk about these crucial relationships in our lives, whether it's children to parents or parents to children, husbands and wives, siblings, friendships, relationships of all kinds, acquaintances, and, and so on. So that's what we're going to be looking at in the coming weeks. But in addition to that, we're also going to grapple with uh, how Proverbs gives us these, uh, these little nuggets for the the managing of the other complex parts of our lives. So there's the relationship component, and then there's all these other pieces that make up life that are challenging for us. And, and here's a newsflash for you. As human beings, our operating system didn't come innate with wisdom. We kind of came with a lack of wisdom. As we said a few weeks ago, that deficit of wisdom. And so we don't really know how to do these complex parts of life. So. We're going to look at how to manage our finances and how do we manage our uh, uh, other people? How do we manage our own bodies and our health? How do we manage emotions and our feelings? How do we ma manage our, our time? So we're going to be looking at these things in the coming days and I believe it's going to be a, a great way for us just to discover little tips, little jewels that Proverbs holds for us in how to do life well, how to honor God with our life. To be able to do this, we're gonna dive into the book of Proverbs, because Proverbs, as we said, is that, uh, that source that is where God has taken all of the wisdom, all of the truth, uh, scattered out throughout all of the pages of the Bible, and condenses them down into this one book, into these powerful, one-line nuggets of truth, these axioms or maxims that speak wisdom into each little part of our lives that if we grab a hold of them, if we grab a hold of these pearls, they give us the ability to live successfully. So we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs and, and how God has given us pieces of wisdom for each part to dwell in and to uh, apply to our lives. As we begin looking at the book of Proverbs, we're going to find there this uh, um, brilliantly laid out manuscript, brilliantly laid out document, because the way God presents wisdom to us is he doesn't just dump tons of wisdom, tons of little nuggets of truth on us. Rather, he spends some time up front in the beginning of the book, the first nine chapters, preparing us for what wisdom is and then how do we process it well? What do we need to be able to process wisdom well and to uh, attach our lives to it and to attach it to us? So Proverbs actually spends some time giving us those um, um, components that we need to be able to connect well with wisdom. 
And so we see this in the first nine chapters as the book begins to uh, give us uh, an introduction. It lays a stage, sets a stage, and then introduces us to four very, um, I would call them notable and captivating characters. We're introduced to the wise, fatherly king. And working in tandem with him is Lady Wisdom. And the two of them working together uh, begin to offer life and an invitation to pursue wisdom together with them. And, and then promises that if we do choose wisdom, if we walk down that path with them, this is where we're gonna find safety and stability in our lives, prolonged years and peace and prosperity. Paths that are pleasant and peace-filled and, and a promise that those who grab a hold of wisdom are gonna grab a hold of her like the tree of life and they're gonna be blessed. The other two characters are in contrast then to this wise father and to Lady Wisdom. The other two characters are the wicked man and the sly, deceitful woman called Folly. They also offer ways to life, but their ways are seductive. They're attractive in a seductive way, these ways of life, but their ways always end in destruction, brokenness, pain, disappointment, mourning, and death. And this is the, the, the fruit of the ways of walking with uh, Lady Folly, wisdom, excuse me, Folly, and with the wicked man. Both couples are offering advice and direction in how to do life and what we need to do life well and to get the, the most out of life. And the narration during these first nine chapters is directed at you and me. We are the, the son in the, the narration and this is who the king is talking to, the wise king is talking to. Um, both wisdom and folly then, interestingly, are represented in the first nine chapters and, and portrayed as, personified as women. They're both given voices to proclaim their uh, unique messages, each distinct message alone, to you and I, to the Son, and, and to all of those who are lacking wisdom, who have a wisdom deficit, and that would be all of mankind. They're, they're proclaiming this message, their messages, to all of mankind, those that are looking for wisdom, those who need direction. Now, how do we do life? What does it look like to do life well? It's important to point out, though, that their, their messages are drastically different. They contrast each other almost like opposite poles. So Proverbs gives us a picture that both of these women, Folly and Lady Wisdom, are proclaiming uh, their messages at the main crossroads of life, at the busiest intersections of life, at the highest points in the city, at that place where it's easiest to hit the most amount of people and to get your message across. And they're calling out to all of mankind we see them calling out to all who are passing by in the, the, the crossroads of life. That's you and that's me, that's all of mankind. Those who are looking for direction, they're calling out to all who are vulnerable and who are simple and who are needing direction in their lives. That's all of mankind. 
And they're offering this to the hearers. They're offering it to you and to me. Now, the first woman that we are introduced to is the unruly, simple-minded woman called Folly. She's fully described, if you're making notes, in chapter 7 of Proverbs. You get a full description of who she is and how she operates and what she looks like. She's portrayed as a foolish, senseless, wayward, adulterous wife who has left the companion of her youth. She's left her husband ignoring the covenant that she made before God. She's brazen, she's seductive, she's wild and godless and immoral. And this is the persona that folly takes on. The essence of her message in chapter nine of Proverbs is essentially this. She says, let all who are simple come to my house. Those who, are, those who have no sense And then she says it in kind of a sly, sneaky voice. Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. This is her seductive message. The other woman, Lady Wisdom, is also fully described in chapter 8. And Lady Wisdom is portrayed as this wise, intelligent, sensible woman who's knowledgeable, generous, and godly. Lady Wisdom then invites the exact same people, the simple, the unknowing, the foolish, all of mankind, and and she's inviting them to hear her voice. She invites them to listen to her trustworthy sayings, to the words of truth that she has to offer and to gain prudence, to gain wisdom, to gain understanding and to set their hearts on it. It's a great message. The essence of her message also in chapter nine is essentially the same. Listen to these words. All who are simple come to my house. Those who have no sense. And then her message shifts a little bit and she says, come eat my food and drink the wine that I've mixed. Leave your simple ways and you'll live. There's no stolen water here. There's no food eaten in secret here. She says very boldly, come, eat my food and drink the wine that I've mixed and leave your simple ways. And then you'll find life and walk in the way of insight. Two very different women, two very different messages. And and it's meant for us, it represents to us two very different life path choices. As the father, now get this, as the father says to us, to the son, the, the description of these two different women, he's describing two different paths. And then we're given the choice, like the young man, to choose which woman we will choose to be our wife, who we are going to marry our life to and walk in their path for the rest of our lives. And it's important for us to see. Now we all know this intuitively, but it's important for us to point out again that there's only two paths to choose from. Lady Wisdom's path or Foolish Folly's path. There isn't somehow some middle path that we can uh, get a little bit of wisdom and live a little bit of foolishness and, and still have fun. It doesn't work that way. And Proverbs makes it very clear to us. It wants us to see that there's really only two paths to choose from. 
Now, the amazing thing about the book of Proverbs all throughout, but especially right here in these first nine chapters, is that the book of Proverbs is metaphorical. It can be literally read metaphorically, or it can literally be read literally. So that these first nine chapters, if you're reading it literally, you get a, an amazing message of warning to men, especially to watch out for the way of the adulterous wife, to watch out for the, the paths that will lead to her house, to stay away from those areas. It gives us warning signs all over to what, as to what to watch out for. Uh, then at the exact same time, if you read those exact same scriptures metaphorically, then we get a chance to see these two messages, these two women that represent the universal choices that God has given to mankind from the beginning of time. Choose this path or choose this path. Which path are you going to choose where we get to choose which path we're going to walk on? where we either walk and live with Lady Wisdom, the life uh, of covenant and spiritual fidelity with our God, a committed covenant relationship with God like marriage to God, where Lady Wisdom represents that wife of noble character that we meet later in Proverbs, in, at the end of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 31. And she represents being in covenant relationship with our God and walking in his ways with a heart that's committed to him in fidelity and faithfulness, obeying his commands, wrapping our hearts around his instructions and embracing his way of life. Or we can choose the other path, foolishly choosing to live life with the adulterous folly, an adulterous life where we live life away from God, our hearts are uh, away from covenant, breaking covenant, complacently rejecting God's instructions and his ways and defiantly mocking his invitation to have covenant relationship with him. This is what God allows us to see, an adulterous attitude of heart, if you will, where we would choose other gods, little g gods, instead of our God instead of choosing the king of kings, the God of all creation. This is what uh, Proverbs allows us to see, and, and it sets us up then as the son to see both choices, to make our decision, to lay them out before us, and then it says to us, kind of like Joshua does to the children of Israel, choose today who you're going to serve. Now, the word day, today continues to pop up. We're going to see it in, in a few more places in just a moment. But the choice is made now. It's not made next week. It's not made after vacation's over. It's not made at a different time. God continues to say to us, to all of mankind, choose today. Joshua says, choose today whom you will serve. Or Moses says to the children of Israel, a little bit later, see, I'm setting before you today a blessing or a curse. A blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God, a curse if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God. And it's interesting, we're familiar with both of these choices. These are the universal choices of, of God to mankind. They're not new to us. But what Proverbs does is very unique. It personifies 
those two choices. And it lays them out in front of us as if we are going to marry our heart to one or the other in covenant relationship or in an adulterous relationship away from God. And then at the same time, and it's so beautiful to see this, God allows us to see who he is in these descriptions of adultery and fidelity and of covenant and of breaking covenant. We get to see our God's heart for, and his desire for covenant relationship with us. His desire for us to be intimately connected to him in covenant. Our God who calls himself a jealous God who is displayed like the jealous husband in chapter six of Proverbs, that, that God who's jealous. Now it's interesting, jealous, jealousy, je somebody that is being jealous culturally isn't popular. It's seen as a negative trait. But God, our God, calls himself jealous because he wants our hearts. And he wants us to know he wants our hearts. And so he displays this, this image of the, the bereft husband whose wife has been uh, disloyal to him. And God wants our hearts. He doesn't want us choosing other little g gods and placing them in our hearts as those that we would worship and wrap our hearts around. This is what Proverbs does for us. It gives us a chance to see the, the vast picture of what these two choices look like. If it was a person, we're choosing folly and a way of wickedness that's going to lead to death, or we're choosing in relationship, covenant relationship and marriage to God to walk with lady wisdom. But what Proverbs does, and this is where we're gonna wrap up our time tonight, is this, in the first nine chapters, it gives us a look at this component, this element, this thing that lady wisdom, that, that allows us, or, or that we need, to be able to walk the path with lady wisdom, to be able to walk in and live in a life of wisdom. It's an element in many ways that determines whether or not we're gonna be able to attach to and connect with the wisdom that God is giving to us. So in these first nine chapters, knowing that tons of chapters are, and jewels of wisdom that are coming afterwards, he gives us this component. This is what you need if you're gonna to connect to the wisdom that I'm getting ready to teach you. Remember when we asked, if you could ask for anything and it would be given to you, what would you ask for? I know you haven't been thinking about that because I told you to put it on the back burner. It, it's a fun question. It's an easy question actually to ask and a much more difficult one to answer. It's kind of fun to think what it would be like uh, to think outside of the boundaries that we're normally used to, whether it's finances or time or resources or all of those things. Wow, what would I ask for? If I could ask for anything, I'd ask for a parking space in Jerusalem. <laughs> Wow, what an amazing thing. I think most of us, if we could actually do that, would be shocked, surprised at our answers. What would we actually say? Because 
I, I think what would happen is our own wants and desires, our own uh, selfish longings and lusts would cloud our judgment and we would ask for something like a parking spot in Jerusalem. And I think this is why we find the story of Solomon so amazing, so fascinating and intriguing because this is something that actually happened to King Solomon. As he's beginning his rule, he's just brand new into his kingship. He's only the third king of this people called Israel. And God appears to Solomon in a dream and he offers to Solomon this very thing. And he says to him, ask for whatever you want from me and I'll give it to you. Wow, let's process that for just a moment. What would you ask for? There are no limits. And this is, this is what Solomon got to do. And, and I think we look at that and it's beyond our imagination. We can't even imagine what we would ask for. We want to believe that we would be altruistic and we would be all spiritual. But then there's this stuff going on in our hearts. Maybe we would ask for that parking spot in Jerusalem. Let's listen to Solomon's response because in it we hear what this element is. What is this component that God is telling us about to put our hearts in the right place to be able to process the wisdom that he's going to give to us to connect our lives to God's ways. Putting our hearts in, in, a, in a place of being able to receive and to connect to and hold on to his wisdom. Solomon says in chapter three of 1 Kings, now, uh, now Lord, my God, you made me servant, of, of, servant king in place of my father, David, but I'm only a little child and I don't know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people that you have chosen a great people, too numerous to count or to even number. So, God, give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. Wow, what a, what a statement. I'm convinced that God gave Solomon enough wisdom to ask for that wisdom. Because otherwise, what would he have asked for? A gigantic kingdom to, for all of his enemies to be destroyed? To have a faster chariot? <laughs> what, what, what in the world could he have thought of to ask for? But God gave him enough wisdom to ask for wisdom. Other versions say, give me an understanding heart or a, a wise heart. The Hebrew word for discerning there is shma. Here, it's the same word as in here, O Israel, shma Israel, we sang it earlier tonight. It literally means give me a hearing heart. The implication is that we want to have a hearing, hearkening heart. Not just listening with our ears, but listening with our heart and then embracing those words and acting on those words. A, a, a God-listening heart that grasps the wisdom that God has for us because we're listening. 
that grasps the truths and the instructions that are coming our way because we're, we have a God listening heart. So that Joshua in the message version says, God, give me a God listening heart so that I can lead your people well. This was his prayer. And this actually fits well the message that we see in those first nine chapters of Proverbs where the, the wise father and lady wisdom continue to invite us to listen to them, to shma, to listen with our hearts. Let the wise listen, shma, and add to their learning. Listen, my son, shma, to your father's instructions. Now then, my sons, listen to me and pay attention to what I say. Listen, for I have trustworthy sayings. Blessed are those who shma, listen to me, watching daily at my door. Over 10 times this same word is used. God wants us to see, and Proverbs is trying to tell us that heart hearing is what God is looking for. And, and this goes back to what we said a, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, that this is the starting place to get wisdom. First, acknowledging that we don't have it. And then the fear of the Lord, walking in the fear of the Lord and, and having enough humility to say like Solomon said, God, this earthly life, it's beyond me. I don't know how to be a father I don't know how to be a child well. I don't know how to be a good husband, a good wife. How do I manage these finances, God? What do I do with my time? How come I never have enough time? God, what do I do with this time that you've given to me? And crying out to God for a listening heart. The God listening heart gives us then the right posture of heart to be able to receive these pearls of wisdom, the nuggets of truth, these one-line axioms that Proverbs is full of. We have to start here with a God-listening heart. So if a God-listening heart is what we have if we walk with Lady Wisdom, what kind of heart does the person have who's walking with Foolish folly. Well, the Bible describes this as a hard heart, as an unbelieving heart who doesn't hear, doesn't shma, doesn't listen with their heart. In a phrase, it's one who turns a deaf ear to God's spirit, to God's words, to God's ways. This is why we see the warning in Hebrews that says today. Again, there's that word, today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as you did in the, uh, in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. A little bit later in Hebrews, he says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. It's a heart issue. Turning away from the living God with a hard heart. Proverbs 28 says, if anyone turns a deaf ear to my instruction, even their prayers are detestable. Proverbs 19 says, 
Stop listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. This is what God is looking for. He's looking for a a people whose heart, the posture of their heart is God listening. And this is how he describes it in Isaiah chapter 66. These are the ones, he says, that I'm looking, that I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word, the fear of God. It's the beginning of wisdom. Do I humbly embrace God's word? Do I, uh, with an attitude of doing what it says, do I humbly embrace God's word? As soon as I hear it, we, as parents, we taught our children. It was a long process of teaching them to obey as soon as they heard the instruction. So as a family, we said, no, we're not going to say, okay, I'm giving you three to three, and if you don't do it, one, two. We taught our children immediate obedience because that's what God asks for. It's not what we were asking for. God wants hearts that are responsive. Now, can I dig in here for just a couple of moments? How often do I, do we, because I don't want to point any fingers because I'm really pointing it at myself. How often, though, do we respond to the Lord like, hmm, thanks, God. Great suggestion. I'm not going there. Talk to the hand. I can't hear you. We have a friend who was just telling us of a, a friend of theirs who got into the car with somebody that they didn't really like, 78-year-old woman, and she literally sat there and went, I'm not going to listen to another thing you say. And she stuck her fingers in her ear (laughs) and wouldn't listen. How often do we do that in our hearts? I do it. God, thank you for that suggestion. I know that's probably a great way, but I got this. Thank you. Really... I'm going to do it this way. This is the way I've always done it. This is what works for me. Okay, there's death involved. I'll I'll deal with that later. I'll worry about that later, God. Or we just literally do this, and I'm not listening to him anymore. I'm going to distract myself with something else. I'm not listening to him. We owe ourselves that we would ask ourselves that question. What kind of heart do I have? Do I have a God-listening heart? Or do I have a hard, adulterous heart? And we have to ask ourselves that question. If we want to walk with Lady Wisdom, if we want to walk on that path, and I know that we do, then we have to start dealing with this thing right here. We have to start working on this attitude inside. God, give me a God-listening heart. I really want it. I'm not there. I don't do it all the time. I do it sometimes. I want to do it more. God, help me do it. 
So in conclusion, this is, is what we're saying. God is aiming at the posture of our hearts. And is our heart humble to his word? Is it reverently, immediately responsive to wrap ourselves around those truths? Is it contrite and humble? Am I walking in the fear of the Lord in awe of who he is, giving weight to who he is, giving weight to his position, his authority, his, his leadership over my life? Am I shunning evil and rejecting, uh, ignoring, walking away from, running away from that path that leads to the adulterous folly? I believe God wants us to have a God-listening heart. And what I love about Proverbs is that he tucks it in there like a, a, uh, like a jewel that we have to mine out. You don't see it in your first reading. I, how many times have, have we read those words and all we see is, well, that, that guy needs to watch out for the adulterous woman. Okay, that's good. But what God's really wanting to, to point out is that we need to watch out for an adulterous pathway that would lead our hearts away from God. So I'm gonna invite the, the worship team to come on up. We want to end tonight with prayer, and, and really, I guess what I'm going to encourage us to do is, is to pray for a God-listening heart. God, like, like Solomon, acknowledging, God, I have a deficit in my wisdom. I want to be wise. Sometimes I am, but mostly I'm not. God, I need wisdom. But what I really need, God, is a God-listening heart that's that's hearkening to your word, that's quickly obedient, that wraps myself around those truths and lives them out, even if my flesh doesn't want to go down that path. Would you stand with me? I'm going to invite the worship team to come, and they're coming. Would you grab the hand of the person next to you? <clears throat> or not, <laughs> if you're not comfortable with that. Grab that hand of the person next to you. Let's pray. God, we're acknowledging as your children tonight, we need your wisdom. In our own uh, operating system, we came without it. We don't have what we need to do this life that you've called us to do, and we, we want to do it successfully for you. Your word promises that if we ask for wisdom, that you give it abundantly. And so, God, we're asking, we're, we're praying for the person on our right, God, that you would bless this person with wisdom. Give them that component of a God-listening heart. God, we're praying for the person on our left, that you would bless this person with your wisdom. Give them those nuggets and truths, but give them, God, that God-listening heart to be able to process your words. Father, we're asking for your grace in this area. We are acknowledging we have a deficit. We can't fill it up on our own. But you promise you are the source. You have the supply. So we come again to you tonight. We pray this in Yeshua's great and mighty name. Amen.